The Charlotte Hornets snapped their five-game losing streak, and it's all because of Kelly Oubre. We talk about it today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast with Julian Council coming up next. You are Locked On Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. <laughs> This episode of Locked On Hornets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Subscribe to the pod on Apple. Apple Podcast, Spotify, you get the picture. Follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Follow the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. And check us out on YouTube. We're putting up shows daily here soon. We're going to be doing that. Testing the waters right now, practicing, trying to figure it all out. Maybe we put this episode up on YouTube. Go subscribe at uh, Locked On Hornets is the channel. Just type that in there, and you can be watching us daily as we release these podcasts. Going to be helping us out today. It's Julian Council, who may have a few things to talk about on Locked On Panthers, if you want to go check that out. I'm not going to steal his takes. He's going to give you all of that content on Locked On Panthers later today. So please go make that, if not your first listen. Make it your second listen after you listen to this one. Julian. How are you doing, man? You doing all right? <laughs> um, a little overwhelmed right now, Walker. <laughs> like a little overwhelmed here on a Thursday morning. Not even afternoon yet. Because the Carolina Panthers might be signing Cam Newton. And that's right. something that I'm not really ready Whew. to <laughs> acknowledge just yet. Like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> like that, yeah. I had been pretty brazen in telling people, it's not going to happen. Move the hell on. And now I might actually have the crow, which I will gladly do. I'm very excited to do that if that does happen. I mean, it's insane. I didn't expect it to happen. Maybe we can get to that in the next segment, too. But, yeah, it's crazy that Cam Newton just might reunite with Carolina. It does look like it's happening. Um, I would say, though, that it might be crazier that Kelly Oubre scored 37 points and goes nuclear in the fourth quarter, hitting all of these threes, had 20 by the third. How about Kelly Oubre's performance here, Julian, to help the Charlotte Hornets break the five-game losing streak? He had been really bad, and we'll get to Gordon Hayward's performance, LaMelo versus Jaw. That's still to come here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. But Kelly earns the day, scoring 37, having played 13 minutes against Golden State. We discussed that last week. Yeah. God-awful game. Unfortunate for him, too, specifically with how it went in his, with his time during the uh, his Warriors tenure. And then he plays 14 the following game, only plays 18 minutes against the Lakers, not hitting shots defensively, not handling switches correctly. Team defense, just letting guys get cooked and not helping his fault on a lot of that stuff. Now you look at what he was able to do against Memphis. Plays a lot because he's hitting a lot of shots, hits the seven three-pointers. Huge game from Kelly Oubre and is a big reason why they were able to snap a five-game losing streak. They needed this win in the worst way. So what you explained just there is the full Kelly Oubre experience. That's right. Which is why I was kind of hesitant when the oh God, I want to say Panthers and the Hornets signed him here this <laughs> summer. Because I'm just like, okay, Oubre, we know he has talent coming out of KU. Look good with the Wizards. Looked good at times in Golden State, but also was out of the rotation at times. And you're kind of trying to understand how in the world can it do that good 
and not having Clay Thompson and Golden State really needing to have those ancillary figures step up, how can he not be in the rotation and have kind of struggles that he had last season? Some of those have carried over to this year, but you also get moments like last night where he goes for 37, a franchise record for a player off the bench, and they really needed him too. Because right now, P.J. Washington, want to say Walker, Washington, not playing. Did you just do that twice now in the first segment? It's, you actually held off pretty long in the last episode we did. Oh, it's it's tough, man. I can't talk about both these teams in town. They got too many guys with like similar names. Um, but either way, look, to see him go out there and perform the way he did last night is encouraging. But also, I would not be shocked come Friday night that Kelly Oubre only plays 13 minutes, has four points, and goes one for 11 from the floor. But as long as PJ Washington's not playing and we'll see what the elbow is going to be in terms of how long he might be out, they're going to need Ubre to have the performances like he had last night in Memphis because you're just not going to get offensive explosions from Cody Martin. You can get good defensive performances from him. Nick Richards is not going to give you too much. Defensively, I think he's actually fairly solid right now, at least this point of his career with the Hornets. But offensively, the only guy you're getting buckets from off the bench consistently, potentially, would be Kelly Ubrus. So that's why it was so big for him to go out there and put 37 in that game and really win the game for the Hornets, who weren't great in that third quarter. He kind of saved them there. And in mm-hmm. fourth quarter, they really locked down defensively as Memphis was pretty loose with the basketball. And one of the biggest benefits people were talking about in signing Kelly Oubre was that Gordon Hayward is going to have an – a competent replacement when he's hurt because this is the history yeah. of what Gordon Hayward has been that, that he's gone through, right? Plays five minutes in his Boston debut has the devastating injury. He's hurt here and there a few times. And then last year we expected him to come back. Never did. And you had to try to figure out, okay, how can we replace that and live with Gordon Hayward being on the bench? So one, you give him vet days, you allow him to have some rest. So here comes Kelly Oubre that happened towards the latter part of free agency. Julian, they could not be any different players, right? Like you have Mm -hmm. completely different uh, set of skills and consistency being the key thing with Gordon, where we talked about this last week. Gordon is going to have 20 points in the box score, and you're not going to know how we got there. It's going to be spread out. Second half, he's really come on strong in these games too. First half, you'd like to like him to maybe take advantage a little bit more so. Yeah. But he gives you 20 points, and he's not going to do anything crazy flashy. Get to his spots, make a few shots. He was aggressive last night, gets to the free throw line 11 times and hits all of them. Love when Gordon Hayward is aggressive and getting to the foul line. That's huge for this team. But Kelly, he's going to be borderline unplayable. A liability defensively. Yes. Not, you know, it's it's a good thing if Kelly is like 35% from three, and then when he hits seven, that's just the, the icing on the cake. And so when, when Kelly can do that, that's great. But you never know when you're going to get Tsunami Poppy going into full Tsunami mode. Last night, they needed it in order to get this win against the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, it, you're, you're right, Julian. Like, he's one of the few guys that can have these type of explosive offensive outputs. Well, it's actually great that his nickname is Tsunami Poppy because you know anything about tsunamis, they don't occur regularly. Like, it's a very <laughs> rare right. occurrence. But, and then when they do, they are devastating. They are. As a 37 points you off the bench against Memphis. And it's not just that he can fill in for Gordon. Go back to the beginning of the season when he filled in opening night for Terry Rozier. And it kind of impacted he had in that opening night win in the comeback against Indiana. Like, he can not only just be a replacement for Gordon Hayward on the wing, but he can also come in for Terry Rozier. He can give you that kind of scoring that you desperately are going to need. And it gives you a level of consistency in terms of shooting the three ball from the wing that you didn't have with guys like Malik Monk in the past, which I like what he breaks. Now, you lose that defensively. 
which probably is pretty on par for what Monk gave us here in Charlotte for his period of time here. And then with Gordon, I don't want to call like empty calories to 20 points because 20 points is 20 points. You're getting buckets, you're getting buckets. Everybody will take that. So far this season, he's probably been, what, their third most consistent player outside of Miles Bridges. You didn't really have the greatest night offensively last night, but he was really good defensively for the Hornets, which is what they needed. And also Lamelo, who still has a young player in his second year. He has his ups and downs. But those three guys are probably the most consistent. So people can talk about they want Gordon to be more aggressive and all that. Gordon's showing up every night, and that's all that really matters. Yep. That's kind of why he's here, and that veteran presence is why the Hornets went out there and brought him in last offseason. Well, I think that I think that's the point. It's the fact that Gordon Hayward, you could argue he's your third best player this year, but he's probably he is the most consistent. You know, he is he yeah. is gonna give you the same stat line. Shot fifty percent in the first seven games of the year in October. Now you look at what he's done the the next six in November, shooting forty six percent, shooting a good percentage from three gives you 20 points gives you double figures every single night the only inconsistent part about his game is when is he going to give you a lot of free throw attempts um he's hitting all of them no that's yeah. fantastic but what when is he going to be aggressive getting to the charity stripe and that certainly helps this basketball team a lot we'll talk more about that in just a moment also want to get to we'll talk some about the center rotation but also I want to really just get to John Morant and LaMelo Ball both of those point guards playing against one another last night two of the faces in the NBA that you would consider the future. I do want to discuss McDonald's first before we get to the battle between John Morant and LaMelo Ball. This episode of Lockdown Hornets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of French fries as well as McFlurries, which give me the latter of that. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates competitors the home team or the away team can come to recharge and this is the one that resonates most it's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel so thank you to mcdonald's mcdonald's helping us out here on the lockdown podcast network if you've ever seen bingo night on thursdays as well you could have seen that at your local mcdonald's it's more than just a place to go get affordable food it is a community center so thanks again once to mcdonald's i'm loving it all right we'll take a quick break john morant versus Lamelo ball let's discuss the two that uh, the games that those two had last night on the lockdown hornets podcast this is locked on hornets and you have to wonder is there a time for them to do that now <laughs> no, is, is he is he mad at the, the center position i mean it's it's yes it's, yeah god mitch make a trade <laughs> that's just good that's just good sports talk right there it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Thanks to Nick for joining us yesterday. Julian, how about your face showing up in the graphic there? That means you're a real part of the family, which you've always been with Locked Yay. On. But, but now your face is there, so now we get to see it more than just once. Now you're here talking about the Hornets and the Panthers, and so that's all for you. That's all for yeah. Nick. That's all for the guests. Yeah, you guys used to have me on back in the uh, the old days, the glory mm -hmm. days of the pod with uh, Nato when I would just come on and just pretty much just trash the team mm -hmm. but now here in the bright days where i no longer have to have a pin tweet about my relationship with the hornets <laughs> which hey during this losing streak i was kind of thinking eh, maybe the same old hornets are back mm -hmm. let me go back there and get that one last night against memphis is obviously huge to the organization but very happy to be a part of the family in that kind of role with my head being in the graphic. The, the, the Hornets' number one goal this season should be to avoid the deflatable mascot Hugo from Julian's Twitter account. 
I don't yes. care what they do if they make the postseason, if they win enough games to avoid that inflatable balloon deflating, then I think that's a win that's basically a championship here in the city of Charlotte. You heard Nick. You heard his dog, Ollie, angry at the center rotation. I'm only going to touch on it briefly. You mentioned Nick Richards. Does get 10 minutes last night. James Brago is, is going to him somewhat. Played 10 minutes. They said he was going to get heavy minutes in the previous game. Plays 15. Nick Richards comes in there. He does foul five times, but at least that shows some kind of level of aggressiveness where I, it, it's kind of crazy, right? Mason Plumley had six fouls um, in 27 minutes. But, Julian, I thought this out of a season that's not been good, this game against Memphis was the most frustrating to me. I just thought he was contesting at a zero level. John Morant got in the paint and went six for six. I think it won three, but most of them were floaters. Where Mason just isn't contesting. He's not taking one step out. He's The only step that he takes out is to swipe at the ball down low. Where John Morant is like a foot shorter than him. Yeah. Go up. Contest. And he's just not doing it. And then he got those three fouls, and I played even softer than he did before that. Look, we'll move on to Ja and LaMelo in a second, but Mason, Nick, it goes to show why they need P.J. Washington so bad, even just defensively more so than his three-point shooting ability. Yes, yes. Are we doing this? Are we trashing yes. Mason Plumley? Go ahead. Uh, Feel free. The floor is yours. Look, he's a Duke guy, and you already see what I'm wearing right now. We put this on <laughs> That's YouTube. Right. So you already know my feelings about the Plumley family. Mason's supposed to be the best of them. I did not hate that they brought him here to Charlotte. I do think that he not can be first. a solid center. The problem, though, if he's going to be your only center, when a guy like P.J. Washington is going to be out for a week or possibly two, you're going to have issues, especially defensively. I go back to opening night. That first half, like he was getting booze from the upper, upper deck. Like, <laughs> it was one of the worst first half performances as far as a debut for any Charlotte professional athlete I can ever remember. I do think that in the long term, at least this season, he will be, he has no choice to be a pretty key cog in his Hornets team and their ability to be able to get to the playoffs. But you see games like last night where just defensively he just doesn't have it. I do like Richards though. I, I'm mm. willing to go out there and say like, I'm a big Nick Richards fan. You're, remember, a, you're you're saying you're a big. Not only are you a little big, bit of a fan, you're a big, big Nick Richards fan. Big. I go back to his career at Kentucky with Cal and Coach John Calipari there at Kentucky. Cal for the folks who you know are initiated or whatever. Mm -hmm. The big thing there is always about one and dones. Nick Richards wasn't one of those guys, and I really appreciated just his perspective of talking about not everyone who comes to Kentucky is going to be a one and done. Some guys take time to develop and to see his development where I thought he was soft. Like you put that moniker there on Mason Plumley. That's what I thought he was his first two years at Kentucky before he exploded his junior year, which then led to the Hornets to go trade for him in the draft. And now you're seeing early returns already for a guy who played three years in school, developed out of Kentucky where with, um, Coach Payne is out now up there with the New York Knicks. They do a really good job of developing big men. I think he has a really good opportunity to be a really good defensive big for the Hornets. I don't think he's ever going to be offensively the kind of center that we're hoping to have here as a cornerstone, but I think he's going to provide a lot more defensively throughout the rest of the season, even down the road, than the Mason Plumlee is going to give you in those center minutes. He's got to cut down on the fouls. Uh, five yeah. personal fouls in 10 minutes is outrageous. So, I mean, you've, you've got to start going up. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But he is trying to contest. He did finish with a couple of blocks. I'm not as big of a fan as you, right? I'm not bringing the big Nick energy that you are. I didn't yes. expect that. But here he is coming in and doing better than I thought. 
okay? Like, I'll say that. It's kind of the statement I was making with LiAngelo Ball in Summer League. I thought there was no chance that he'd be a positive contributor with the Greensboro Swarm or the Summer League team, I should say. But he was. You know, hit some threes, certainly early on. I was like, okay, tip of the cap. I don't mind giving him a spot on the Greensboro Swarm. I thought maybe that was even going to be because of LaMelo Ball being on the team but played well enough. And Nick Richards now uh, playing better than I thought. So well, we'll, we'll it's see. all about like, what do you expect out of him? Like, what's he being asked to do? Like, Borrego's not asking Nick Richards to be, hey, you need to be our starting center. We need to for you to stretch the floor, give us big minutes and score. What he's asking, go out there. And you're right. You can't have the amount of fouls and the amount of minutes that he played <laughs> last night. But if you can go out there, offer some sort of resistance yeah. at the rim, which has been missing every year since Dwight Howard left. And I mean, even that year wasn't like it was great, but if you can offer some sort of resistance at the rim and that can be your role on this team, I'm fine with that. Like, that's all I really need. They can find one guy at the very least to do that. That'd be their primary role and then you spread it out the rest and have a bunch of shooters on the floor. That can work for the Hornets defensively. Um, John Morant, now to be fair to people that were trying to defend John Morant in the paint, he's pretty decent at getting into the paint and attacking. <laughs> one of the better young players in the NBA. So he starts off, as I mentioned, six of six, hits the one three-pointer, but really he was just living in that 10-foot range where he was just floating it over the top with no contest, but also just making it every single time and forcing them to play defense, and they wouldn't do it. He eventually finishes 13 of 27. He would hit that early three. That was it. Would miss the other five that he took. Goes to the free-throw line five times, does hit all of them, eight assists, seven rebounds, does finish with 32. Like, Ja, he's the real deal. He's been awesome all season long for a team that's six and five, six and four heading in to this game. So they are actually winning in the Western Conference. You compare him to what LaMelo Ball did. LaMelo didn't have a ton of shots, five of 13, two of seven from three point range. I believe hit both of those threes early, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Nine rebounds, eight assists, 12 points. So Ja destroys him in the point category, but LaMelo gets the win and still has uh, a nice feature in a lot of different categories in the box score. What do you make of the similarities, the differences between these two? And if you want to, how you would compare him into uh, who you would like to have going towards the future. If you want to go with Ja on this Lockdown Hornets podcast, that's you, Julian. I know you like to spice things up. I'm definitely not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just was letting you know. I, I am not dumb enough to come up here in the Hornets neighborhood and go out here and be like, yeah, give me Ja Morant. I do love Ja. Yeah, he's fun. There are totally different players. Like Lamelo, when it comes to his playmaking ability to get everyone else involved, that's what really stands out for him defensively he's got a long way to go he's shown a lot for us so far when it comes to shooting the basketball uh, at least from three-point range this season which is that was the main concern when they drafted him I remember Scott Fowler the observer came out and just talked about how he didn't like the pick because the Hornets gonna have to teach this guy how to shoot we saw last year that wasn't the case we've seen so far this year that's not the case he's going to be in the gym night in and night out all offseason throughout the season trying to find a way to get better and he's certainly done that I just love just the exuberance, the vibrancy of when you see him out there on the floor playing basketball. It's the same way with Jaw. And I think Jaw absolutely fits the whole grit and grind oh, mantra yeah. that they have down there in Memphis. It's not like he has a grimy game, but he is a tough kid, can get in the lane, can take contact. Well, we go back with last season when he took on the entire city of Charlotte to win that basketball game here, right. or, two, or maybe it was two years ago, whatever it was. He's, he's a good player. I, I love him. 
I would have loved to have him here, especially like he's not too far down the road. A Spartanburg native would have perfectly fit into the Charlotte community. But I think he's perfect for what they have down there in Memphis in terms of like their city identity and what organization has been. I think Lamelo is perfect for what the Hornets identity is going to be moving forward. And just to kind of with the this bright lights that Charlotte's becoming of a growing city, he is a perfect superstar for us. So I love both of these guys. The NBA has got two really good, talented young point guards to kind of build their league around the next 10 plus years. Yeah, the biggest difference between the two it's the explosiveness right like Lamelo yeah. had an awesome dunk last night where he kind of goes to the right shoulder comes back to the left finishes and does the head thing got you, got on you he loves doing that right he's a high low celebrator he's going to put it on his head when he dunks on you and then he's going to tell you how short you are when he scores in the post against you Lamelo likes to talk about your height and going over you but John Morant way more explosive going to be finishing above the rim constantly Three-point shot, kind of similar, where you didn't know how great it was going to come, uh, going to be coming in. Was good at Murray State, but still kind of, you know, a little bit weird. Shooting better this year than I think he did last year. But yeah, Jaws fun, um, and so is Lamelo. And the NBA is in good hands with those two guys being ones going forward. Let's talk um, about more of the Charlotte Hornets game last night, and then we're going to bring in Doug Branson on the third segment, joining me and Julian coming up next. First, I do want to discuss Bet Online. They're back. And they're better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new website, updated desktop, or the mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Doug Branson sneaks in again. Coming up next next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. That's such a good bump. I haven't heard that in so long. Joel, you got to agree with me, right? Like, you're a Carolina guy. Vince going the opposite way for 360s, that's his natural way. Nobody does that. That's hard as hell to do. Oh, Vince Carter, one of my all-time favorite Tar Heels, even though I didn't even see him play when he was actually in school. Well, I, I don't remember watching him all that much, right, as we get into the game. We're the same, a similar age, so right when we're getting into you know our love of sports, he was just getting to the NBA. Like I remember watching the dunk contest, his early years with the Raptors, but not really so much at Carolina other than highlights. Doug, are you still saying the moon landing is more impressive than Vince Carter's reverse reverse dunk? I mean, is that a hot take? I mean, we landed on the freaking Kinda. moon. Uh, we're did, trying did, to we do it. did we? <laughs> that's true. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you, Julian. I don't know. That's what we need. That's what we need. More conspiracy theories. Going to go right. full carry hey, right now. By the way, speaking of conspiracy theories and crazy pills, I feel like I'm taking some crazy pills uh, hearing this Nick Richards talk. And it's yeah. not just – Julian, it's not just you. I just – I feel like there's some good vibes going to Nick Richards – that are I feel like are a little undeserved. I mean, I appreciate him trying to step up and fill what is what has become an enormous gap, but he hasn't played well. I and I feel for Nick Richards. I just don't know if he's ready. 
He should be in Greensboro right now. This is not Nick Richards' fault. This is the Hornets' fault for putting him in this position. But he can't stay on the floor. There were three times last night that I swear to you, Nick Richards hit the jump block button before the offensive player ever even thought about making a move <laughs> towards the rim. Triangle, triangle, triangle. Uh, yeah, just, we'll just he see was if we spamming can block it, and I, I, I don't <laughs> get it. He can't stay on the floor. A for effort, Doug. That's what we're doing here. The bar is so low here in Charlotte that I don't care. If you're going to give any sort of effort and you're not a Plumlee, I'm here for it. (laughs) This is, no, this is Bob Katzian level uh, grading on a curve. Um, And and listen, I not only, I would be the most upset about that, but then you had Jalen McDaniels right before the half not taking the shot with 1.6 left on the clock. What the heck? I love it, actually. Like, save that shooting percentage, man. Make At a business cost. decision. I love why? it. If you're Jalen McDaniels, why? Is there some clause in his contract that I'm unaware of about shooting percentage? I don't think so. If you're hey, a big man, star. Hey, man, you got to watch the wallet and the shooting percentage. That's going to affect that money. I'm and taking so, crazy man. pills. I feel like I'm the only person watching. The, am I getting a different feed of the game? I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe. You are out in Tennessee, so maybe you are getting a different feed. Oh, yeah. Feed. Speaking of different feed, by the way, oh, yeah, uh, I this. had to watch the Memphis Grizzlies broadcast. Let me just tell everyone out in Hornets land, feel lucky. Feel lucky that you have in your pocket Eric Collins and Del Curry night after night because I missed it tremendously. That dunk that Bridges had where he he reached all the way to, you know, Gastonia to get Mm -hmm. the ball. Um, The call from the Memphis Grizzlies was, and Miles Bridges has a dunk. (laughs) I mean, I get it. It's not your team. But that's where I give Eric and Del credit. They'll call a spade a spade. If they see a big play from Ja, they're not afraid to be like, yeah, that was a great play. It was uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And also, it. quick correction there, Doug, because it was in the Memphis area, it's got to be from Collierville instead, not Gastonia. No, that's oh, how I'm pre- no, So, Julian, no, no I, I, I stand by it. That's how impressive it was. It oh, went, yeah. reached all the way across <laughs> state lines. That was interstate travel. But, he, but that's went, not how Eric Collins operates. He finds a, a random city within the state they're playing, no, though. No, it, listen, I'm telling you, he <laughs> went down 40 east, and then his arm got on to, what was it, what is it, 365? Or no, three, whatever that highway is that cuts down into uh, Gastonia. 321. 321. So, yeah, sorry, 321. It's been a long time, guys. I've been I've been in Tennessee too long. Well, we have but, a couple of Tennessee ties here. Julian, you spent time out there doing ESPN Nashville, right? Yeah, two years in uh, Music City. Mm, what a go. time. A couple, a, time. Of, a couple of Tennessee Tennesseans. Is that right? Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah, Tennessean. Oh, I, was in Nash, I was a Nash villain. I still okay. haven't gotten my Tennessee driver's license. My heart is – I'm probably <laughs> driving illegally at this point. I shouldn't put this on YouTube, but uh, – yeah, I still have – my heart is still in Carolina. I'm still holding well, on to that NC driver's license. I mean, Doug, your dog's name is Hugo and your daughter's name is Charlotte. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's true. There's a you theme. Are, you are a North Carolinian. By the way, going back to this broadcast, what I love was on full display was the hatred and the clowning of one Kyle Anderson and slow-mo from Eric Collins. I was looking back at my tweets from last year, and it was the same thing. They are infatuated with how slow Kyle Anderson looks on a basketball court, and they are going to inform everybody watching just how much they think or how low they think of Kyle Anderson playing basketball. Yeah, and you say like something about like this man's been eating eucalyptus. Just some <laughs> real out-of-pocket stuff the entire like, that's a pretty good line. Like I, I do sometimes think like some of Eric's lines are pretty corny and over the top, but like the eucalyptus one, when you're really trying to emphasize how slowly this man plays, like, I I love that. That's actually so, a pretty deep cut. 
Well, the thing is, like, so one, if you try to make it like Kaiwala, like, is that the animal that they're going for with the eucalyptus? Wouldn't you just go with the sloth? I mean, is a koala really the slow animal you think of? I'm thinking turtle, snail, sloth, but. Well, they always call them sloth. They were trying to change it up and teach you a little bit more zoology. They were trying to expand it beyond the sloth. And I appreciate I appreciate all the learning you get to do as part of the Hornets broadcast, too. That's something that Memphis is not concerned with teaching you about geography and zoology like uh, Eric and Dell are, the professors. Yeah, it, it's amazing to, to watch those guys. So we learned about Collierville, and we learned about koalas on this podcast because we're going to inform you as well. Real quickly, we'll ask one macro question about the Charlotte Hornets after snapping this five-game losing streak. James Borrego, he likes to speak in cliches. Competitive spirit, we're moving forward, we move on. I like where we're heading, all of that stuff. But it was nice to see Charlotte finally break out of this. They've got New York on Friday, I believe 7 p.m. at the Spectrum Center, so they're back at home. Hopefully the Spectrum Center can be kind to them, the fans can be kind to them, and they can get um, the Hornets going. They fed off that energy. They talked a lot about opening night and how much that meant to them. I I think it's true. I think they really did enjoy it. Julian, do you think that this is something where Charlotte can beat New York and try to get this thing back on? On track finding a way to get to 500 at seven and seven well yeah you need to you got to make up for the loss against cleveland in a game where they got behind way too many points and then try to come back and that's one thing i do credit about this team is they never throw in the towel they always find a way and you go back to opening night that was the same case and talk about the crowd that night and hopefully a lot of people will be out there tomorrow night to go see them against the knicks and the knicks are going to be one of those teams where the hornets are probably going to be fighting them for a top six spot and trying to avoid the playing tournament. Since that is the goal that this team set out to accomplish this season, getting to playoffs were bust. So yeah, I think that they have a pretty good matchup against New York. I really want to know when PJ is going to come back though, because that's mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. pretty important in terms of whether they're going to be able to beat Golden State on Sunday and then moving forward against the Pacers and the Wizards. Yeah, Doug, I what are your we, thoughts? Yeah. yeah, I think we learned a couple of things on this West Coast road trip. And the, the main thing that I learned is that James Borrego has a hell of a puzzle to solve with this team. And you saw it in this game against Memphis. He had to run some, you know, matchup zone junk defenses out there to keep John Morant uh, out of the paint and and basically force Memphis to shoot the basketball. And luckily they missed a lot of three-point shots and allowed the Hornets to get back in the game late. Uh, This team is resilient, but they need a, a great game plan, game in and game out. They can't take a night off. Uh, They can't cruise to a victory. I mean, everything's going to have to be tooth and nail until, one, P.J. Washington gets back, and, two, they really figure out this center rotation. The second big thing that I learned is that they have to have some kind of – not 37 points, that's that's ultra-significant, but some significant bench contribution, um, at least until LaMelo – fully realizes himself as a scorer, as a takeover scorer. That's the main difference I saw between Ja Morant and LaMelo um, is that Ja has that sort of offensive takeover uh, that I think LaMelo is still maybe uh, half a year or a year away from fully realizing it. And until then, they, they're going to have to have Kelly Oubre or, or, or Cody Martin someone step up off the bench and give them a little extra scoring punch. And let me add to that, Doug, you talk about offensive takeover and LaMelo getting to that point. Who was the guy who did that last year for the Hornets? Terry Rozier. Like he needs to step up eventually. Like at least now, PJ's not going to be playing. You're going to have the center issues are going to be there all season long. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's just the case of the Hornets, whether Nick Richards is going out there and playing minutes, they probably shouldn't be getting. This is the role he's going to be asked to play throughout the season. Mason Plumlee is going to be out there on the floor for these defensive liability, not giving you much offensively. He's the best option there at center. 
Terry is going to have to be the X factor that steps up and allows the Hornets to be able to go out there and outscore teams more so than it comes down to whether they can be the defensive team that they want to be. Because looking at the personnel this year, it's just probably not going to happen for them until they're able to address the center position. And then you have guys like Ubre who are going to play minutes to be mercurial throughout the season. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them night in and night out. We talked Julian, about this. Julian, Julian coming over here from Panthers land and just breaking our hearts. It's not yeah. going to happen. The center position, it's not going to be fixed. Just coming over here and putting a putting a trident right through our hearts. Hey, let's uh, be alive with the Panthers. It's not getting fixed, <laughs> folks. It's just who you got on the team. Um, you mentioned real quickly, you mentioned <laughs> Terry Rozier. Same thing, right? Kelly Oubre hit shots last night, helped the Charlotte Hornets basketball team. Terry Rozier, if he's not making shots, he isn't helping. But the thing is, he was helping a lot because he did it consistently last year, especially from three-point land with that true yes. shooting percentage was good, but now he's not. He had the 20-point performance, 29 the previous outing, only scored 11 here. So you were hoping, could this get something rolling and 11 against the Grizzlies, one of three from beyond the arc, only four of 14, I believe, trying to pull up this box score. Yeah, four of 14 from the field overall. So hopefully Terry able to figure it out and be more consistent. Um, real quickly, did I try to morph Koala and Kyle into a joke and say Kyle Did that happen yeah, today? You, you did. We ignored it. Oh, listen, I'm a, I'm a new dad, so I enjoyed the dad jokiness of it. I gave you the Eric Collins, ha, ha, ha. All right. I'm sorry about that. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are going to have David Walker <laughs> join us tomorrow. Going to be fun to have David Walker joining us as well to end the week with Locked On Hornets. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Sorry, Julian. Josh Lloyd, he hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet, though. It's free and available on all platforms. Then go catch the Lockdown Panthers podcast with Julian Council. Julian, thanks so much, man. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Talk to you next Thursday.